you know, as you're talking about this, I, I don't know why my mind kind of drifted here for a second, but... Because you were bored? <laughs> yeah. How is this person's life going to change as a result of using my product? Pa- paint that picture. Tell that story. Taking what it is we do and getting beyond just th- just that, what we do, and having it have a connection and a real impact on people's lives that almost they can't do without. Yeah, but somebody has to be directing traffic. I'm sure they probably have bigger wands there. Oh, bigger wands. Yeah, I could. I, I'm all for the big. I'm all for the big wand. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Steve. And this is a podcast for creatives, an audio experience for creatives and thinkers. Do you really want to start the episode this way? Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. We need to hear a concession speech out of you. All right, listeners, in our last episode, we talked about disruption and part of disruption is knowing that we have a lot more opportunity to make choices in today's world. And one of the choices that Steve said that he likes to make is to stay home and watch movies on his couch in his own environment where he can control everything and make it as customizable as possible. And I made the argument that even with big TVs that we have now, and maybe even mood lighting, that you cannot replace the experience you get from going to a a good old-fashioned movie in the movie theater. So after the episode was published, we took this argument to our audience on social media and polled to see where people stood on this argument. And I went into it feeling very confident that I was going to win this debate. It was probably an oversight on your part. Well, obviously it was. Because the results were that there are more people that agree with Steve that watching movies in a movie theater, what did your friend Dan say? He cited a few things about, you know, overpriced popcorn. Which um, I'm okay with. I love popcorn. I will, if, what you know, popcorn for 20 bucks, I'm all in. Yeah, that seems, that seems excessive. Um there's, uh, <laughs> there was the sticky seat argument about oh, getting, you know, germs yeah, okay. on a seat. That was one of the things that actually did get to me because we, we did talk about germs in, in our argument on the podcast episode, but he brought up specifically that the seats had germs in them, which is something I hadn't really considered. Didn't and think about that. now I definitely will be thinking about that when I go to the movies and I don't know, maybe going to the movies less now that, that I'm thinking about that. I'm just saying this doesn't sound this sounds more like a recap than it does a concession speech. So I want to can we get to the concession speech part in this? No, I'm, I'm still staying solid in my decision. I mean, you can stay home and watch your movies. Dan can stay home and watch his movies. He can go to your house, whatever. But I'm going to keep going to the movies. I found it hysterical that the other night I checked your uh, your Instagram story and you were out watching. Uh, I was at uh, the what, movies. What, you were at the movies. Not watching, really, though. Watching. Uh, was it Raiders of the Lost Ark? It was Raiders. It was Raiders. Yes. And it was like a live symphony version of it, but they were showing the movie. Yes. So and I it, was watching and I was watching uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade from the comfort of my own home. Totally loving it. Not around other people. It's great. Absolutely great. Well, yes, this I was actually going to bring that up to you that I was I felt now I, I felt like I had to like confess to you that I was going to a movie for some reason. But this is a no, very wrong. So that seems like. <laughs> the natural thing to do. This is a very special circumstance that I got to see this movie with a live symphony. And I felt like the 
the level of clientele that was there was a little bit different than just your average movie. And it was in a, in a symphony hall. So I was less, I did think about the germs, but I'm like, they've definitely cleaned this and we're definitely like the poorest people here. So I think that we're good. They clean this. I mean, <laughs> they must clean this, right? <laughs> I mean, I think with the regular movies, like, you know, the guy comes in with his little broom and sweeps up the popcorn, but they're not like disinfecting the seats. I would think in a symphony hall, there's like a, a different layer of, of cleaning that goes on, I would hope. My favorite part of going to the movies, though, is when the usher comes in with that little wand that lights up and like, yeah, you the know, one that like, like directs air traffic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like I could use that in my personal life. I don't know how, but I could see myself using something like in your that. Home so that, theater? that is the that is if that if that gives you yes, in my home theater, <laughs> you <laughs> just, can direct Rachel and be like the movie started. Yeah, right if this she way. Like, puts her feet up on the on the coffee table and I don't want them. I could just like, you know, hit them and just, you know, knock it. Yeah, I could see myself using that. That's my favorite part of the movie going experience is when the usher walks in with the little red wanded. Uh, you when know what? Just, wand. just yeah. if that's the best part of going to the movies for you, just stay home. Do us all a favor. <laughs> I must say, though, I, I, I do remember going to the drive in as a kid and, um, uh, you know, when when we would go, we would have the um, of course, we had the minivan because, you know, Everyone that's did. what every, every, every family has sliding right. door. Right. Right. Exactly. And um, we would uh, my dad would lay out sleeping bags on top of the, the roof of the minivan and my sister and I would lay up there um facing the the screen and we would have the uh the the trunk opened up so the speakers are right behind us that sounds like a dream night to me right there oh. what you just described i think but you need to dream a little harder but dream that's, bigger. It, was a, it was a good night yeah yeah it was it was good yeah i Definitely mean top top 100 probably in my life so drive-ins are now <laughs> even more appealing to me knowing that I can sit in my own seat in the car or on a, you know, my own sleeping bag out on the trunk or whatever it is much better than the movie theater seats. But you don't get the usher walking around with, you know, the little lit up wand. So that is the downside, I think, of going to the drive. in Yeah, but somebody has to be directing traffic. I'm sure they probably have bigger wands there. Oh, bigger wands. Yeah, I can. (laughs) I'm all for the big. I'm all for the big wand. (laughs) (laughs) I am all for these wands now. All right. Well, you get yourself to a drive-in sometime soon. Maybe yes, maybe yes. after the winter thaw. As soon there. as it warms up up here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there. I'm definitely there. We got a few up here. So Good. All right. Let's move on to our second debate. This one was a little bit less of a debate, but we fell on different sides of this. And that was cable versus cord cutter. And Steve's still going strong with his cable package and my household has no cable. We live um, on Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, and occasionally hack into my dad's DirecTV Now account if we need a cable fix or something specific. And we also brought this question to our audience, and our friend Cyan responded and said, ironically, she does have a cable package like you do, mm-hmm. but she does not really use it. She said she mostly streams, and even went as far as to say is streams very few shows and kind of watches the same ones over and over again, which I think we're all kind of in the same boat on that. I don't know if it's like, is it a generational thing or do you think that everyone does that? I think it is. I think it's a generational thing. I mean, you know, it's funny. I can remember growing up and 
you know, in, in the summer when, um, you know, remember on, on WPIX, like, so out of, out of New York city, like yeah. Seinfeld and cheers. And a lot of these shows would be in syndication. And I can remember watching those types of shows with my dad, but I, I certainly feel like our generation now kind of binge watch one of the office Seinfeld parks and rec, you know, one of those friends, types of yeah. friends. Yeah. One of those types of shows. Yeah. I think it's like comfort food That's a and, great way beca- and because we've all seen them like a million times, it just, it's on in the background. It's comforting almost like it's funny. This It's really strange. The comfort level I get from watching an episode of The Office, even though I know what's coming. Well, like, that's the, I think that's the comforting part is, is that you know that it's coming and you know that it's going to make you happy. And, you know, even if there are sad moments of the show, but you know that everything's going to be OK. You, you already know what the resolution is. Yeah, no, I think that's a good way of I think that's a good way of putting it. We pose a lot of questions like this after our podcast episodes, and we really want to hear from you guys. You know, a podcast is fun. Steve and I love chatting, but, you know, it's a two-way conversation, and we want this to be a broader conversation. So that is a great place to share your voice. Look out for those posts and um, polls, sometimes that we'll share on Instagram stories. And our handle is uh, pod4creatives, and that's everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And in addition to that, we've also started something new doing Instagram lives, not directly after we record, but soon after we release our episodes. And I'm making it, we, we did this once, <laughs> but we will continue to do it. But, but it's a thing. It's but a it's thing. a thing. Yes. We, I mean, it's officially a thing. And our first one was really fun. We came in, talked a little bit more about disruption. Our friend Ashley Shelley hopped in and chatted with us for a little bit and it's it's fun to continue that conversation because I think we both had more that we wanted to say. And then it was also just great to hear other people's opinions. Yeah, absolutely. But I want to go back for a second. Oh, no, I'm not giving I'm, another concession speech. No, 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 no. You've you've swung and missed on that for, yes, already that's for, true. for today. So our episode is, is really kind of all about reality uh, versus experience when it comes to content. Um, and you and I are both very big um, Alfred Hitchcock fans. Quick, favorite Hitchcock movie? Oh, um, I think it's Style M for Murder. Mm, see, you know what? I'd have to say the same thing. Yeah? Oh, that's I awesome. Go, I did not I, know it's, that. It's funny that we've been friends for this long and have never actually, and and we're both big Hitchcock fans yes. and have never asked each other what our favorite ep- what our favorite movie Meant is. Meant to but, be co-hosts. Right, 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 right. I would go two, if I had to pick a second one, I'd go Rope. Oh, Rope is a really good one, but I think my second one would be Rear Window. Okay, yeah, that's that's hard to that's hard to fight. I I, I can't. And I, yeah, that. same. I, I I really respect Rope. I mean, it has it's very unique. Well, it's, they're both, as, both of them have as, Jimmy Stewart in yep, it. Yeah, that's true. So you can't go wrong with that. Yes, but wait, I have a question for you. Okay. This is, <laughs> this is bringing up the movie debate again. I can't let this go. If Hitchcock. We're still making movies today. You're seeing those previews. You're hearing about it on the radio. Mm. Would you go see his latest mm. film in the movie theater? Or would you wait to watch it in the comfort of your own home? Um, I would probably go and see it in the movie theater. Um, but it's probably not for the reasons that I'm arguing here. No, <laughs> probably not. But I think it's. I think it would have a lot to do with there are so many bad horror movies or suspense movies. What was the one that came out probably within the last two years? Um, Split. I think it was called Split. 
Um, I, don't even I know believe what that it is. was it was about a guy who who took um, a group of girls into. Oh, um, it just came out like last year. Yeah, he had like yeah. a split personality. Yeah, had like yeah. Know, I think like fourteen or fifteen. I forget the number. Like I thought that was pretty well done. All things considered. Did you see it? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I only not in movie theater. Though. Okay, I saw the preview in the movie theater probably ten times, and every time I said. We are not seeing this. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was okay. But I don't feel like there's a lot of great movies like that out there today. So I, I feel like if I had a chance to go see a movie directed by Alfred Hitchcock and I never had an experience to go see it with a bunch of other people, you know, like I guess what I'm trying to say is like fully immersing yourself in that experience of seeing a Hitchcock film in a theater where I've never had that experience before. Like so many did before. So there is an experience. There's probably. Yeah. But I think that has a lot to do with the connection that he has with, with me and probably with you too. And, and so maybe there's, maybe there's kind of the lead into what we're talking about tonight. And there's this great uh, quote from Hitchcock that I had come across not too long ago. And, um, those of you who are listening to this and might be Hitchcock fans, you may know this, but he debates openly what, um, what reality actually is. I found it really interesting. The quote that he says is, is, uh, what is reality? I don't think people want reality, whether it's in film or design. I think it must look real, but it never must be because reality is something that none of us can really stand. Oh, now, that's, yeah, that, what, that is such like, a good quote. What is your, yeah. So what is your, like, what is your take on that? Like just the, the part that like hit me the most was people don't actually want to see reality because it's more than what you can stand. I think that all of us experience art, whether it be through movie music, all of it really is an escape from real life. All of us have to live our real life and there is no escaping unless we're indulging in something else that's taking our senses away from what's going on around us. So definitely, you know, maybe that's why I love going to the movies so much is because when I'm at home, I'm not going to have that same level of escapism as if I'm in a movie theater where I'm like completely engaged in what's happening on the screen. Do you feel like that's a byproduct, though, of how we've become as a society that, you know, we we look to a lot of these outlets like social media um, or art to be an escape from reality because, you know, you've started to see even some museums kind of structure what art is so people can experience it almost virtually as opposed to looking at it and, you know, behind the velvet ropes. Yeah, and all that other being stuff. part of the experience. So that's actually something else that we posted on social media was this article about do you remember the name of the museum that it was? I think it was. Uh, or maybe it was multiple museums. It may, it may not have I know been. one of them. I think one of them was the, um, was it the Museum of Ice Cream or something yes, like that? Yeah. yeah. So there are multiple exhibits that exist right now that are completely interactive and were designed for us as people, as art lovers, as social media lovers to go in there and interact with these exhibits. And, you know, the... The concept of an interactive exhibit is not a new thing, but the social media aspect is like they have set up these scenes and experiences for you to walk into so that you can you can take selfies, you can take Instagrams. I believe they even have walls that are set up that may even be 
in a square shape where they say like, you know, stand on this X and you'll be able to get the, that perfect Instagram square if you take the photo from this perspective. It's funny. I shared this with you the other day, too, while we're talking about Alfred Hitchcock, because he was asked, uh, I think, in that same interview where he gave that quote that we just talked about, you know, what does he think the future of of the movie industry is going to look like for for the consumer? And he talked about how, you know, if people still need to be entertained in the year 3000 or whatever it is, which I kind of chuckled at. Yeah, but he's, there's he, he definitely goes, some truth to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, he said that he could see people buying their ticket and then entering this dark auditorium. And, um, Which you would never do. No, no, not absolutely. Unless he was directing it, I suppose. <laughs> um, but and then having the opportunity to kind of through through hypnosis, basically, he said, become one of the characters in the movie and you kind of live the life of the character throughout the movie. And he's basically describing virtual reality, which I think is really perceptive based on what we're talking about with how museums are kind of structuring some art exhibits these days is it's not just enough to see it. it, it you have to kind of experience it. And then that does sort of, I mean, it is reality, but it kind of takes you away from your reality. It is. That's like an, an altered reality or a, um, like an idealized reality. Sure. So thinking about this in our own work, I find this a little bit difficult because we're talking about Alfred Hitchcock movies and obviously he's making a movie, so it has to be dramatic and he's going to surprise people and he has all these elements that he can use to really connect with his audience and get them to feel a certain way. But when I think about art that I might create or, you know, a presentation that you're working on or someone in our audience might create, like I'm thinking about my friend Jacqueline Humble who designs jewelry, like she can't be that dramatic when she's putting her jewelry together. Like, how does she actually create the experience that Hitchcock might be able to create in in his movies, but with the art that we're creating, which feels a lot more basic? Not that you're basic, Jacqueline, but I'll, I'll, I'll throw myself into this example. So I design a lot of art prints and art printables, and a lot of them have quotes on them. And I think about the fact that like when I'm sitting down in InDesign and I'm picking my quote and I'm picking my colors and placement, none of that feels as significant as a filmmaker making a movie or, you know, writing a script. This can also actually, if I'm going to go back and talk about my friend Jacqueline again and her beautiful jewelry, she also is really creating not just a piece of jewelry, but a lifestyle that people are buying. So her jewelry is very vintage looking. I think a lot of her market are, are Southerners, people who live in the Southeast USA. She's from Tennessee, but I think a lot of her market are, you know, kind of people who live in my area as well. Yeah. I think that anybody who buys a piece of Jacqueline's jewelry and wears it automatically feels like an elegant person. Or that's what I think of. I mean, I just, I had coffee with my friend Brooke last week. She was wearing one of Jacqueline's necklaces. I recognized it immediately. And she just, she looked elegant wearing it. So I think that it's just one of those factors, like I was talking about with my art prints. And it's not about the actual piece itself that we have to feel all dramatic about and, and creating this feeling. It's much more about who is this 
piece of art for? Who is this product for? And how is their life going to be? Or how do they perceive that they want their life to be as a result of uh, bringing that object or experiencing that piece of art into their life? Yeah. And I honestly, you know, I think you, you tend to get caught up sometimes in what you're, what you're doing uh, as opposed to the impact and the connection that it has. And I think sometimes that can be a really big struggle. I have a friend of mine, uh, a coworker of mine, Sam, who uh, worked on this really great video the other day for um, a, a local school district. Basically, there were a bunch of high school students who were going around a, um, an, in an urban area, and um, they were donating winter hats, scarves, gloves, whatever. And, and they were kind of, you know, leaving them around the city, tying them on lampposts. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And it really, um, you know, it's a really great project. And, the, and, you know, so, you know, telling the story really has a great feel to it. But, you know, you could have just told the story about what the kids were doing and you still could have had a great feel for, you know, what it is these kids were, were doing to give back to the to the community. But, you know, instead, Sam kind of went out and she did a great uh, video on it. And it really was less on the kids kind of donating scarves and gloves and hats. And it was more on what it meant to them to be able to have the opportunity to do something like this and, and give back. And the interview pieces that she used, uh, I thought were brilliantly selected. We can include the video, um, in, yeah, in the I would show love notes. To see this. Um, but you know, she spoke with kids who, you know, one student who grew up in poverty and just having the opportunity now all these years later to give back, um, to, you know, a community where, you know, he, he sort of, um, you know, originated from grew up with, um, was just, you know, a, a powerful, powerful quote. Um, and I felt like what it basically does is when it eventually ran on the school district's, um, Facebook account, um, Yes, you, you, you came away, you know, feeling, you know, good about what these kids were doing to help others in the community. But I think you really came away knowing that you were you felt like you were a part of this very supportive community. And it became less about the act and more about, you know, um, the, the, the connection that the kids had um, and the drive that they had to want to give back to their community. And, you know, I, I, I feel like sometimes you can get lost in the specific content versus the feeling that something like that is going to give to the parents and the people who are watching it and the kids who took part in it, obviously. I love that. That sounds like a beautiful piece. Yeah, no, she did a really, really good job of it. But yeah, I, th I think that, you know, people listening to this, I'm thinking about some of my friends that I know listen to this and they may, and they may be thinking about, you know, what if, what if my product is a, is a course on how to teach people how to use ConvertKit or how to do email marketing. Like that does not sound like something that's like gonna change the world. But think about how your product is going to impact someone's life. If someone is signing up for your email course, it means that they have their own audience that they care about and that they wanna grow. And the bigger picture, if you zoom out more, is that they have this business that they're trying to grow. And I'm assuming that they have that business because they want to support themselves and, and their family. So that's really what you're serving. You're serving whatever your customer wants their life to look like. So I think that that's actually something really helpful to think of when you're when you're thinking about marketing. And I know that for me, this is something I struggle with a lot because I hate marketing my own products. But thinking about 
how is this person's life going to change as a result of using my product? Paint that picture. Tell that story. You know, as you're talking about this, I I don't know why my mind kind of drifted here for a second, but... Because you were bored? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is where I need those those red lit, you know, those red wands to kind of just distract me. You got to like bring me back into the conversation. I'll order those on Amazon. Yes. I'll get right on that. a couple of months ago, we did a uh, an, uh, an Instagram uh, story on um, this movie that's coming out on uh, the life of Mister Rogers, and the whole connect. Why are you? Why, I, I can see you right now. So why are you smiling as soon as I said that? I, I, I'm I'm beating a dead horse, but I was going to ask if you plan on seeing that in the movies. <laughs> yeah. I need to get you to admit, like multiple times, that there are things that you would go to the movies to see. Somehow I'm admitting to going to do this and going to see movies, and yet you still haven't given a concession speech to losing our, our well, debate, but I, whatever. I think I didn't give the concession speech because I didn't truly believe that I lost this argument, which yeah. you're proving right now. Yeah, I'm losing somehow. This is all set up for me to well, win. Well, maybe I it'll just... come out in the summer and you can go see it in the drive-in. It won't yeah, be so see? bad. See, there you go. Um, but, you know, it's funny. So many times we feel like what we're creating, um, you know, we might not even know individuals in our audience, you know, very well. Like I think of the relationship you and I have with Gary Vee. Obviously don't know him personally, but we feel like we have a connection. Oh, absolutely. And the work that he does has that kind of an impact on us because there's something in there that we can kind of take and, um, you know, help ourselves grow and help ourselves become better as professionals. Um, and I was thinking back to being a little kid because this was kind of my relationship with Fred Rogers. This is where my love affair with Mr. Rogers began. And, you know, every morning, um, sat in front of the television, it was appointment TV. I dressed up sweater, sang with him, everything. You can, I mean, this was, Steve's not lying here. If you go on our Instagram at pod for creatives, you can see a picture of him in the actual Mr. Rogers outfit. Yeah. I got a, I got the cardigan. I got, you know, the cardigan on and, and no everything. Shame. So. No. Did no, you do the thing where you like toss the shoe from like one hand oh, yeah. to the other before you oh, put yeah. it on? Without a doubt. Absolutely. I definitely like practice doing that, like watching Mr. Rogers and trying to get that shoe throw down perfectly the way he did it. Timing, everything, even the zip up of the sweater yep. did it. Did it he all. went like oh, yeah. up and then like down a little bit, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. It was all part of the act. And I think that's the funny thing is you remember all of these experiences that you had with him and, and yet you felt like you had a friendship and I never actually met him. And I just spent 30 minutes with him every morning and we had a bond that was really unlike anything I've ever experienced. So he took me places both, you know, through your imagination, land to make believe, um, you know, and, and I think that was the thing is, is that he never, ever told you throughout, you know, whether he was, you know, visiting places in, in the, the quote unquote in the neighborhood, um, or through the land of make believe never really told you how to feel about something, you know, he kind of presented the situation for what it was and however way, how, whatever means he was doing it by, um, and then kind of let you draw your own conclusions and kind of, you know, form your own feelings about things. Um, and I, I kind of laugh because, you know, we do a lot of work like this in a creative field. And I feel like the easy thing to do is to tell somebody, this is how you should feel about this. You should be excited about this. You should like this. You should share this. You should comment on this. You know, let me, and we never actually have the opportunity for this work to kind of wash over you a little bit and to really find the true connection between what it is in the content 
that leads to the experience factor for the consumer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think also in that because he wasn't telling you exactly what you should be doing or feeling, each child, I'm sure, interpreted that a little bit different because every every kid's life was a little bit different. And another thing that I find interesting is how big of a connection you felt to him in without really knowing anything about him. You knew how he dressed. You knew his his place that he was always in. You knew the you know the his neighborhood. But like he didn't have. I mean, on the sh- I guess in real life and on the show, like he didn't have a family. He didn't. I mean, right. I don't even know in real life. Like, did he have a wife? Did he have kids? Yes. And so he did. So you look yes. this up later on. Oh, I've I've <laughs> I've fallen more in love with him as I get older. <laughs> just just learning more about him. Yeah. Um, I think about when we're talking about storytelling in for those of us who have our own personal brands on on social media and how it's really easy for us to talk about ourselves all the time because that's what we know but he, Mr. Rogers never really talked about himself I mean he he talked to you even though I mean it was through a television like now it's it feels when it's through our phones through social media it feels like closer than TV I think has like a, a, a bigger layer. Do you feel yeah. that way? Yeah, I do. So even knowing that, like it would be different if Mr. Rogers was like on YouTube or, you know, was, was doing an Instagram live, but knowing how big of a connection you could feel to him without knowing all those details about his life, just the fact that he showed up every day and was like consistent in his message meant well, more than, than all that other stuff. Yeah, and think about the impact that it still kind of has on us as a as a as a country, as a as a society. I mean, anytime something bad happens in our world, anytime, inevitably, you log on to Facebook and one of your friends has probably posted that that famous Mr. Rogers, you know, look for the helpers quote. Yeah. Um, and immediately people rally around it. Yeah. Almost almost immediately. And, and that's not because I don't think it's it's a good quote because I do think it's a good quote, but I think it's because who said it? Yeah, it's amplified because of the relationship that we've kind of developed with with him over the years from from, you know, the time we were, you know, two, three years old to to today, because I think the reason why people still connect with him or still want to connect with him, even years after he's kind of had that impact, that direct impact on their lives um, is because you were inspired by him. And I think if you're inspired by something, it's more likely to stay with you. Um, and that's really the challenge, I think, when it, when it comes to creating, you know, content that leads to an experience that matters to somebody is getting beyond just the lessons learned and, and getting to the so what. And that's what I think, you know, you, you referenced your friend Jacqueline before who, who, who makes the jewelry, like, it's it's an experience for people. It's it's it it's got a certain feel to it almost immediately. You know, it's something that's that belongs to her that she's created. Um, that value that she provides her her audience is probably something that they they couldn't find elsewhere, or they may not want to find elsewhere because of how much they, of, of a connection that they feel to her. Yeah, even if. It's- well, to be honest, I can say that I think that her jewelry is really unique. I haven't really seen much out there now that's that's new. I mean, because I think it has a vintage look. So maybe there are vintage pieces that look like it. But even if someone else did create something that looks similar, I still know 
Jacqueline's story and her brand and knowing that like people are definitely going to buy from her or, you know, someone else if, if they connect with that other person's story. So it doesn't matter if there are, you know, two pieces of jewelry that look exactly the same. I think that more often than not, people are going to gravitate toward the story if they have to pick between one or the other. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like that becomes you know, the defining point, like kind of like which almost like choose your own adventure. Like which, which of these lives do you want? Do you want your life to look like this or do you want your life to look like this? Right. And I think that that's, that's kind of the interesting connection to this whole Mr. Rogers piece is, is that he, he came through us through, through, through TV. You kind of got to that before. And I often wonder like, what would be the, what would be the connection to social media? You know, how would he feel about social media today? Because his whole attitude for getting involved with television is, is that he hated it. He hated the state that it was in when he went, when he first had the opportunity to get involved with it. And he got into it because he set out to ensure that its power was kind of harnessed for good. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the opportunity that lies in front of us as, as, as creators. We've changed the medium. I mean, the medium is, is completely flipped, but I think we can all look at it and say, like, is social media where and, and, and these other these other outlets, are they where we want them to be? Because I'm sure if you ask anybody on the street that, you know, that answer would probably vary. But I would tend to think it's probably on the negative side. Yeah. We and getting app- worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's the challenge when we're talking about, you know, taking what it is we do and getting beyond just the, just that what we do. And having it have a connection and a real impact on people's lives that almost they can't do without. Yeah. Like what is really what is the bigger meaning? What is the point to everything that you're doing? And I think that's that starts with us. I mean, especially those of us who are entrepreneurs, we've all heard this before. You have to care if you don't care about what you're doing, then automatically you're starting off on unsteady footing. Anytime I think that we're willing to go the extra mile and I think for me, like it just it feels so organic to talk about the stuff that I do because I love it so much. And I think that if you've built your brand around something that you love doing, everything is going to just be infinitely easier. And it's going to be a lot easier for you to articulate to your customer or your audience if you feel like really strongly about where you're coming from. We almost need to make ourselves into characters when we are presenting our brands, especially if it's a personal brand. Obviously, we don't ever want to be phony, but I think the more successful brands are ones that take certain aspects about themselves and run with it. It's almost like creating themes. So, well, I think you've seen that with like, think of Wendy's, like, you know, that's been a huge, um, that's been a huge part of their brand development over the last few years where it's just like, you know, the way they interact with customers on social media, the way they kind of engage with people, the way they just, you know, matter of factly will, will, will knock down McDonald's, uh, you know, through a tweet or through a, through a commercial and, and kind of, you know, push their, you know, always fresh, never frozen um, yep. line. Like that's a been, that's been a huge part. And I think that's kind of separated them in the nationwide conversation when it comes to fast food joints. Yeah. You can almost identify them as a friend. Like you can think of a friend who'd be like, oh, they would totally be the one who is coming up with these tweets, who is, who personifies that brand. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think for us, it doesn't have to be 
I know that there are people right now who are scratching their heads and like saying like, all right, who am I? Like, what am I known for? I mean, it could be as simple as our friend Ashley Shelley's brand is typically in the like blues and purples and teal color family. I mean, it could be as simple as that. It's just having colors that are identifiable with your brands. But it could also be something like, um, I love typography. I love um, typography that looks a little like retro or vintage. And I've had so many people message me with pictures that say, I saw this and I thought of you. Like that, that is my brand. I mean, I know that that sounds weird, but the fact that like people are out there thinking of me because they saw something that reminds them of something that I would like, I feel like is... I mean, that's an example. Okay. So, you know, you've known me a long time. You know, my background, <laughs> you know what I, you know what I do for a living. So what would you, cause I have a, I, I th- like I what's your I personal know. brand? Yeah. Like what would you, what would you categorize my brand as? Because I, I know what I aim for and I'm always interested in like, oh. am I hitting its mark? And, and uh, I, I feel like this is a test. Thought, whatever the first thought that came to your mind, that's the one I want to hear. Okay. Well, this one's kind of funny, but I was going to use the, that you're a debater. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a little bit of like, you like, like are you like arguing points that you feel really strongly about? And I do feel like you do, you have really strong opinions about the things that you really care about, but you're not the type of person who's just going to like pick a fight and pick an argument for the sake of it. Like if you don't care about something, you're just going to be like, all right, whatever. Like that doesn't right. matter. Right. But I the things, that's... the things that are important to you, you will talk about it for hours yeah, I think that's an accurate assessment. And and I, I do feel like there's a hint of of sarcasm. Um, it, it yeah, yeah. It's, it's never like, I mean, we, we've gotten into like, like little debates before, like it never feels threatening or anything like no, that or, or no, aggressive. No. It's just, I mean, I, I can tell you genuinely care so much about whatever it is that you're trying to make a point of, about. Because as people message you with prints that they say like, oh, I thought of you when they see this. Like I get messages of like, I found this really annoying. I thought of you too. (laughs) Very complimentary. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, back off. (laughs) This is a one man island. So you're okay. So your brand is people getting annoyed. I think there's a, I think there's a hint of that. And I understand that sometimes it makes people kind of roll their eyes a little bit. And I get that. Um, but I have a belief of how I think things should be functioning based on how the world is going and how the work that I'm doing or that my organization's doing or whatever it is kind of aligns with that. Um, and it's, it's where I'm most comfortable, I think. And I think it's also where I'm most identifiable. I work with a lot of people on a national level, even a local level, but on a national level as part of our, our and international, right, right. There's Canada now. That's right. Um, that are very happy people and very, especially the Canadians. Yeah. 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 I've never seen a nation of people more happy than Canada. Um, but that's just not me. It's never been me. I always feel like I'm, I'm, I'm the polar opposite of that. And I think to some people it's interesting. I think to some people, um, it's really annoying and, um, that, that you're going to, you're going to disrupt things if we're going to use a word from the last episode or like they, they may have an idea about something and and you're going to be the one to question it. Like, Oh, we have this great idea. Like here's our big presentation and everyone's clapping and applauding and you're raising your hand going like, wait a minute, I have a problem with this. Yeah. I think that's part (laughs) of it. I think there's a little bit of that in there. I also think it's just that 
some people just choose to be happy people and they don't really like people poking holes in things. And I just think that's how I am. I don't, I don't really set out to annoy people. I just set out to question things. If I go, have we thought about this? Is this, is this really the way we want to be doing this? And, um, you know, so I think that's part of the whole, the whole personal brand thing is I do know that there's a, there's a, a, a group of people who do appreciate that from me, just as, as I'm sure you do too, from, from, from your group. And I find myself feeling like that's who I'm talking to. Yeah, uh, more, that is, more, more that is so else. important. It sounds really weird, but I have found for myself, but also, um, I've heard this from other people is that when you're writing your copy or telling your story, just pretend that you're talking to yourself. I know that sounds weird and it, it also contradicts with stop talking about yourself so much, but there are definitely a group of people out there who think the way you think, who are into the same sort of things that you're into, and you can speak best to that because you're just like them. And that's going to be your easiest way to connect with other people because you know yourself best. Yeah. We'd love to continue this conversation with you guys over on social media. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at pod for creatives 